Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. Reclamation is a project that we have started to explore faith and what it might look like outside of institutional churches. Our conviction is that someone losing faith in the church doesn't necessarily mean that they've lost their faith. Our passion is for an authentic pursuit of faith that impacts every area of our lives and world. Our hope is to help spiritually displaced people reclaim their role in God's story. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the Reclamation Faith Podcast. Josh here. And Allison. Hi. Cheers, honey. Cheers, cheers. It's just some regular mint tea tonight. You didn't spike it with anything, unfortunately. No, stay awake. That's too bad. Yes. Um, <laughs> this daylight savings. Yeah, absolutely. So we are recording here in the uh, second, third week of Lent-ish. You didn't give up anything this year, did you? No. I, no. Do you, you don't usually. I don't usually. No, either. I don't usually. But I do like to at least think about it, make a conscious decision yeah. not to give something up. <laughs> right, right. I, like, I like to think through the idea of giving something up and then decide not to. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, no, we were like gorging ourselves on chocolate pie earlier. So we it's definitely like, haven't given yeah, up the norms. The night of this recording, it is National Pie Day, which I am, I guess, so tired that today I saw someone like, posted like the pie symbol right mm-hmm. like the mathematical pie symbol not the emoji um and i was like oh, those idiots <laughs> they messed up and put their post about it today it's actually april 1st yeah april 1st is pie day dum-dums <laughs> i thought i was like just kept scrolling <laughs> like yeah this is this is star wars day Right. Oh, wait, do you know? Wait, do you know, wait, do you know wait, what Star wait, Wars wait, Day wait. is? May Fourth. Good job! I'm so <laughs> proud of you. May the Fourth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. No, we we had pie. Mm-hmm. Josh um, made a very good chocolate thank custard you. pie. It was so nice. It was good. Um, but no, yeah, we didn't give anything up. But. Um, <laughs> Sorry to those no, of you I, listening who have given up either chocolate pie, desserts, all the I'm things very, that we're talking about right now. I'm very impressed by people who give up things with like a lot of will. Not just like, oh yeah, I guess I'll give up Netflix this year. Like, I don't you know. You did give Okay, wait. Okay. Pause, 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 <laughs> no, pause. For Josh's I have most an idea, embarrassing but, give up. Yeah. Can I tell yeah, them? Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <One> year. <laughs> In seminary. Mm-hmm. I think we were probably dating. Mm-hmm. Josh is like, all right, I am going to give something up this year. I'm going to give up reading video game blogs. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like laughing and being like, you're kidding, right? And you were like, no, I spend way too much time on them. And I was like, that's okay. That's a little embarrassing. <laughs> You make it sound extremely uh, nerdy, and it's not entirely... I don't think that sentence can come out any other way. Just like, that's what you gave up, reading the <laughs> No, like, I will proudly own my nerdy status. I'm just saying that makes it sound like I'm really down a rabbit hole. When, in fact, it was more like news sites about gaming. <laughs> uh, that such things exist. So that's more than video game blogs. Okay. But no, I don't think okay, you're helping there was a your year, cause. There was a year where I gave up video games, and that mm. was very difficult for me. 
That was a very hard year. <laughs> I was going to say, I always really admire people who give up something. Like, they put a lot of thought into it. Mm-hmm. And they, like, your dad, I think, is a good example about he this. Is, he is an amazing Lent giver upper. Yes, yeah. he is. He's like, a very principled, principled person. So I think yeah. that fits well for him. Yeah, I know one year, I remember he gave up complaining, which yeah. I thought was awesome. Yeah. Uh, another year, I think he gave up, um, what was it? Critical comments? Negativity. I think it was. Negativity. I think it was negativity yeah. in general. Yeah. I was just like, man, I don't know if I could do it. I had a stu- I had a student who um, she gave up complaining, and the way she tracked herself was she'd start each morning by putting a bracelet on her left wrist, mm. and then if she complained, she'd move it to her right wrist just to remind herself, like just to kind of track it. Oh. To, and I was like, that's such a good idea. Maybe right. a lot of people do that. And it's just us who. Don't. <laughs> and then at the end of Lent, you check to see which wrist is more tan. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, you could do that. <laughs> that wouldn't work for me, but, you know. No, Josh is pasty white. Pasty boy. That's why seen. I like my pie crust. <laughs> pasty pie dough. Uh, <laughs> pastry. Oh, pastry, right. Sorry. Okay, none of this is what we're talking about tonight. Um, so what I was hoping we could have a little discussion about uh, today on this episode is the concept of secrecy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Allison was not aware of this, so she's coming. It in. is a secret. Yeah. Ta da. Uh, she's but coming I, in blind. I am intrigued. I do yeah. think this is an interesting concept. So, secrecy is an idea that I think kind of keeps coming up in a lot of different environments um, reading, news. You know, like when we're thinking about church culture and mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that's going on, there's this kind of just overarching question of how does the church, the institutional church approach kind of the, the concept of um, confession mm-hmm. and secrecy. Mm-hmm. And that especially kind of comes up against times when the church has been complicit in, oh, yeah. you know, abuse or covering up things, that, that kind of thing. So I thought what we could do now maybe is have a discussion of kind of like what are some examples of this when it happens like you know what are some examples of the kinds of secrecy that we see playing out in like really harmful ways why is this such a problem and ultimately what does this have to do with you individual listener you know Hmm. like like how have you experienced maybe some of this um whether kind of impersonally just watching from afar and seeing scandals and secrecy kind of unfold. Mm -hmm. But then also like many of us, I think probably have encountered situations of one sort or another where secrecy has been used in a harmful way in Mm -hmm. in a church context. Yeah. Excellent. Wow. So Josh, and maybe this will, maybe this will fit with the conversation. Actually, when you first said this, I thought, okay, Dear listener, we were originally going to talk about spiritual pathways. Yeah. And so when you first said this, Josh, I thought you were talking about secrecy in a positive way. Like, do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Like, mm-hmm. giving in secret or um, doing acts of service without be- having any notoriety attached to it um the spiritual discipline of secrecy yes exactly so um yeah that was what i was initially gonna think but and i'm like now i'm like well is there any correlation i don't think there is maybe there's like a way in which in the church at large like we have a category of 
secrecy can be a good thing. Yeah. And so maybe that gives you kind of like that, um, that opening to accept a secret, whereas most I feel like besides a surprise, like secrets are not a good thing <laughs> right, in, right. in our like Western culture. Right? right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because yeah, secrecy in a kind of weird way triggers like positive feelings for me because I do kind of have this value on like seeing that as a discipline and even teaching people at mm-hmm. times about that discipline. It's, it's a spiritual discipline that we don't hear a lot about in the church, right. but it is one that I, in all my reading that I've done about it, I really am so in awe of it. Um, well, and I know personally it is slash would be a good discipline for me because yeah. I struggle with pride. Uh, and yeah. so secrecy is like a really good Remedy. way for me to like lean into mm-hmm. valuing and upholding Jesus rather than pointing the thing, pointing the limelight to myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you raise that interesting point that we have this category for secrecy, or at least maybe some of us do. Again, I don't hear it taught almost ever. But at the same time, it, it's sort of like almost the inverse or, or maybe like the shadow side of it, right? Because mm. the way when, when we talk about secrecy as a spiritual discipline, what we're essentially saying is there's this value in the Christian faith of keeping secrets from people but the the point of that is to guard people from the good we do Mm -hmm. and and Mm. what that means is that we are becoming less right Right. like we are choosing a path of secrecy so that we are lessened yeah uh whether that's in the eyes of others like we don't want people to i don't know to to look upon us favorably when we want them to be looking upon god but the bigger purpose like you said is pride it's you know i want to try to do things that are the right things to do, not for any gain or recognition that I will receive, right? So it's like we're, that kind of secrecy protects people from the good parts of ourselves mm-hmm. so that we, I don't know, don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Right, and the goodness of God can be like fully on display because I'm not like garnering that for myself. Right, yeah, it's it's trying to lean into like kind of the question of is there any true altruism, you know, like can I really do something good that's not of benefit to me? Right. Um, but when we so. talk about, but the opposite, <laughs> right? Like when we talk about secrecy in a harmful way, it's the exact opposite, right? It's, it's actually the ways that we see institutions using secrecy as a weapon mm-hmm. to protect the good reputation, right? Rather than minimizing the yeah. good reputation, protecting the good reputation yeah. of a person, usually the lead pastor yes. um, or the institution itself. And it so it's is, the total... Yeah opposite right it's reminding me of the sermon you preached that I didn't listen to but I know the context (laughs) of (laughs) Um, recently about well let me tell you if I caught your cliff notes or not but about um, praying for the sake of God's name like what we do and how we pray for God's name versus for our own and so like the spiritual discipline of secrecy like we're talking about it is for god's name to be lifted high whereas rather than our own rather it well yes and then conversely what has happened or what we've seen a lot of unfortunately in the news or in the christian circles news Mm -hmm. um recently is that institutions have been keeping things secret so that yeah the name of the head pastor or the church itself its name can be 
unsullied. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah. let's dive in. Okay. okay, great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is something that I find so discouraging and yet so almost like universal. And of course, this is not a problem that just faces the church. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it, it stings more, I think, for many of us when we see the church engaging in this kind of like cover-up behavior. Right. Um, you know, the classic example is that, you know, a, a someone on staff has had a moral failure and the church moves to kind of like keep it under wraps and, you know, minimize the story of the victim, try to get them to like promise not to tell anyone, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Or often multiple victims, unfortunately. Um, the, the big example institutionally, you know, is like the Catholic Church, oh where gosh, there's yeah. just countless <laughs> examples of the church moving to cover up, you know, instances of sexual abuse and clergy abuse and, you know, just kind of like, let's just pick up this, you know, priest and move him to another location. Mm-hmm. And, and what that secrecy ultimately does is it sends a message that, the institution matters far more than the victim here, mm-hmm. right? And and so that's, I think, maybe the most prevalent kind of secrecy, at least that we see in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I'm sure there are other examples. Yeah, I mean, less newsworthy but much more common would be decisions that are made in secret, like about finances, the budget, mm-hmm. staffing issues, or staff, you know, job descriptions changing, things that are on a more micro level yeah. that are kept from the the church at large or from certain people. Yeah. Or even like relational kinds of stuff. Like I remember a church I served at um, in college where, you know, like once I came on staff as an intern and got behind the scenes, I realized that a lot of the staff at this church like really couldn't stand each other and like would talk about each other, you know, behind one behind one another's backs and there was just a lot of that kind of like backbiting and criticism and like broken relationships but on the surface like what people saw Mm -hmm. you know day in and day out at the church was like this you know oh happy loving kind of community yeah yeah Yeah. so what is what's at the root of this (laughs) there's a lot I think at the root of this and it's something I'm sure that we can all somewhat like sympathize with at least on on one level, right? It's fear, of course. It's fear that, okay, if people really knew, then they would, I don't know, they would leave, Mm -hmm. uh, they would fire me, they Mm -hmm. would, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, There's definitely power, you know, involved in this. Oftentimes when secrecy is leveraged, it's to protect the existing power structures Mm -hmm. and not have to kind of undergo the difficulty and discomfort of change. Yeah. But, but I think that for me, the one thing I am kind of like really interested in is not the obvious kind of why churches lie or keep things hidden or that kind of thing, but it's kind of like the justification that gets used. Hmm, uh, for why right, they lied in the right. first place. Yeah. So what about that? <laughs> well, the big one, mm-hmm. uh, going back to like the, the kind of, you know, newsworthy kinds of stuff where there's an abuse or there's an, a, sca- a scandal or something like that. It's kind of the the justification I've heard time and again in these cases is the good that was being done mm-hmm. by this person or this ministry outweighs the bad yeah the harm that yeah. would be done if it came to light yep 
Absolutely. Like we would, we would rather <laughs> ignore the harm and protect people, you know, because good is going to result. And so it becomes this balancing you know, act. Yeah. Or like putting these two things into on a scale and yeah. we become the judge mm-hmm. and the arbiter of um, morality in that regard. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. The problem there is that, that. Is so common, Josh. Yes. Like that's like, I mean, like thinking about like Robbie Zacharias or like so many mm-hmm. recent scandals, Mars Hill, like. A lot of that podcast is is dealing with that. Like people are like, yeah. "Oh, he's he's such a jerk," and he's running us into the ground. And like he's like borderline abusive and how he talks about um, people. But <laughs> look at all these baptisms that are happening. People right. are coming to the Lord in droves. So yep. it's like, yeah, so so common for us to do that. Yeah, yeah. And maybe honestly, I see and. This is just me, but I see this becoming less of an acceptable norm. Like as there have been more scandals revealed and as we're mm-hmm. valuing the personhood and the, of victims and and whistleblowers, basically, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, I feel like that is becoming less. I don't know if it's becoming less of a norm, but. Yeah, I hope so. I certainly do. I, I I can't say I believe it is, unfortunately. I mean, even just this week, you know, there yeah. was a, a church that I really admire and a pastor I really admire um, who, you know, came out with a years-long kind of abusive situation and has been fired and there's a lot of upheaval. It just seems constant. Yeah. And it's, you know, I've been reading Jesus and John Wayne and it's oh. kind of like there's all these periods of history too where these big scandals kind of seem to just come in waves and you know it's always (laughs) it's always kind of like follows that same pattern right where the desire to protect what's been built Hmm. outweighs the desire to advocate for the one sheep versus the 99 and that's where i think this maybe stings more as a christian is because Mm. we see that jesus is the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to go for the one. Now, the the justification, too, is, you know, that good that's often said, well, the good is resulting, and we don't want to throw that, you know, in jeopardy. That good is often very vague, right? Hmm. It's And whereas the harm is often tangible. Hmm. And I think that the the justification is also kind of like a form of dissonance where the leadership in these cases can say, like, well, certainly, certainly the good is better than this bad. It's a way of protecting yeah. themselves yeah. mentally and yeah. emotionally. Right. You right, know, to right, say, right, oh, this right. is terrible. I'm sure like many they of the people who keep secrets or... are, are, they are brokenhearted and they're grieved, but a way to protect themselves and, and maybe push that grief off is to say, but the good that's mm-hmm. happening, you mm-hmm. know? Well, there's an unwillingness, honestly, and I'll, I'm just going to speak freely here. Please do. <laughs> well, anyway, there's an unwillingness to look at oneself um, and and be repentant of the sin inside of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's like in this, on this leadership level that's happening um, or in the individual that's done this harm that's happened. And then in the people who are protecting that, abuser or mm-hmm. whatever yeah there's also that too yeah yeah absolutely and so there's a ju- there's a need in in 
that committee or in that group to justify what's happening. And instead of that coming through repentance in Jesus, that's coming through the scale, the human scale of, of works righteousness, basically, <laughs> or pointing to something that mm. is going to absolve that sin. Yeah, yeah. So it, it kind of acts in a way as a, uh, like to offset it, to mm-hmm. kind of like balance mm-hmm. the cosmic scale, you know, mm-hmm. going back to what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. There's also the reality of like institutionalism. I think that we've talked about mm-hmm. a lot in this, you know, podcast where we kind of exist in a culture and a society where institutions are seen as being like the, the utmost yeah. uh, of value, you know, the kind of the corporatization of our culture yeah. and like the, the power and influence of yeah. institutions is sort of seen as like the greatest good. And so you put an individual or even a group of individuals up against the weight of an institution. And I don't think it should necessarily mean the institution wins. But I think our culture, especially our capitalistic mm-hmm. culture, is structured in such a way. And the church is, mir- you know, we've talked about how the church has mirrored that yeah. broader culture. Yeah. So it's another layer of this. We talked about on a past episode. I cannot for the life of me remember <laughs> <laughs> the number. Maybe we should look it up and put it in the show notes. I don't know. But we talked about unity mm-hmm. and how, and I think that's another layer. And I think that. I know for me personally, that's where this plays out a little bit more in that there is, in addition to, yeah, the institution, in addition to like the inability to like accept or see one's own sin, there's also the value in Christian in Christianity of the unity of believers. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's a willingness to sacrifice oneself or maybe to sacrifice one victim for the sake of the unity of the body of Christ. Yeah. And that is such a tricky thing to navigate, to discern Mm. whether like the secret you're being asked to keep is worth disrupting the unity of the body of Christ or of your local body of Christ, of your local church. Mm -hmm. That is where I think things get difficult. Yeah. And I feel like that's a more common, well, yeah, I think that's a more common level mm-hmm, rather mm-hmm. than huge scandals. Like a lot of us, a lot of us in this space of reclamation have been faced with whether we uphold the unity of the church or the speak se- honestly. Yeah, or, or speak honestly. Exactly. Yeah. Speak honestly. Yeah. Well, I, it, it definitely raises a question about transparency. Yes. Because I don't think the remedy to this endemic problem of like churches protecting themselves through the use of secrecy, I don't think the remedy is let's just air all our dirty laundry. Hmm. You know, every struggle we've had, every kind of disagreement Mm -hmm. on staff, every, you know, person who's, who's kind of pissed off because they didn't like this sermon topic or whatever. I mean, let's be honest, people in churches get mad and upset for like lots and lots and lots of reasons. Right. And not all of them are, you know, the church's fault yeah. or like the institution's or fault. Or needing to be voiced mm-hmm. on a public scale. Right. But certainly I think that the, the weight of this is needs to be on the church or on the institution or the group or whatever it is uh, to protect people people mm-hmm. 
you know, from themselves <laughs> in a way. Like the weight needs to be on the institution to be transparent about things that could cause harm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a tricky line. So like as an example, you know, I was part of a an institution where there was, you know, some concern around finances and there was this thinking you know, I won't get any more specific than this, but there's some thinking that kind of like, well, if we were honest about what's going on and the struggles that are being faced, people will leave. They'll go to another church. You know, they'll freak out. And yep, and our yep, the inner circle could be having this crisis, but it's not a crisis for the whole church to endure. Right. That was the thinking. Like, we're protecting them. Exactly. When really, we were just scared. And it was a secret. And it was, so that so let's use it. Let's use secrecy. And I think this is actually a really important point here that we need to stop and think about. You know, I think we approach withholding information from an institutional perspective. Like, we approach that as the default. To say, okay, like, we will hold all our cards close to our chest until we need to reveal them. Mm. And so secrecy becomes kind of, um, the, you know, a neutral stance because it's like, well, this is just how it is until we decide to divulge. But I think we need to actually start to see it as a tool and, and to see secrecy as a strategy. It's not just the default position, you know, that, but that's the way that the world and the church operates so often. It's like... Let's all keep this to ourselves and let's choose when to be transparent. Mm -hmm. What if transparency was the default and Mm -hmm. secrecy kind of going back, you know, to the way it was before was a discipline. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of inversion would be really interesting. But well, yeah, (laughs) helpful for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what we want to move into now is talking to those of you, those of us who've been hurt by this in Mm -hmm. some way. And we don't have all the answers, maybe any of the answers, but just to start to unpack that a little bit would be helpful, I think. Yeah. And I don't think that this is something you need to have experienced directly firsthand in order to have been hurt by it. I think that even just kind of seeing the broader culture of secrecy and churches protecting their own asses (laughs) can be painful enough. Um, But... That being said, I think that there are a lot of people who have experienced this either in small or big ways. Mm -hmm. Um, We are seeing more and more, I think, in the kind of destruction, (laughs) destruction, deconstruction (laughs) conversations, kind of the focus on the the question of church trauma. And almost every instance of that that I see anyway, there's some degree of like, this wasn't taken seriously. This was brushed off. This was covered up. That's all secrecy being weaponized Mm -hmm. against people who have experienced hurt Mm -hmm. and so i think one of the main things maybe maybe the simple and yet most important takeaway that i would recommend for anyone listening is find someone who will listen to you Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. if you're listening to us go find someone who will listen to you or reach out to us or whatever because i think that the only remedy to the hurt that's been experienced by secrecy is bringing that into the light more and more. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think of the words of Jesus, you know, in scripture and I don't, I don't have the reference right off the top of my head, but kind of the idea that everything that has been hidden Mm -hmm. 
will be brought to light. And that's kind of a promise that is beautiful and terrifying. But I think for anyone who's been victimized, that's just a good promise. Wow. You know? That is very hopeful, Josh. Yeah. I love that in this context. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times, too, in this act of an institution requiring secrecy or having secrecy, I think that there's an, um, there are people who've been silenced. Mm-hmm. And so what comes to mind and what's in my heart, for those of you who've experienced that, is finding a way to um, reclaim your voice. Yeah. And so I'm thinking like if that's like through writing or journaling or, you know, something that's in secret or in quiet, like that's a good starting point. Um, and also trying to find those safe spaces or a safe person to articulate this and to name this. Mm-hmm. Um, because seeing someone, experiencing someone experience what you went through in this is so healing. Mm-hmm. Like seeing someone's face or their body language as they you tell your story about this is um, is really good. It's yeah. really good and helping you to not feel alone or shame or a sense that you did something wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think one other thing is kind of like you said, reclaiming your voice. Um, whether you have been personally hurt by secrecy or not another thing that we can all be doing is helping others find their voice Mm. i'm thinking again of that situation i mentioned earlier it's been pretty public so i don't i guess i can talk about it but like um this church in canada called the meeting house recently let go of their lead pastor bruxy cavi who we really liked his work i'm like Um, sad to be saying talking about it honestly yeah but the whole situation is let's just say icky Um, but there was another pastor at the church. Um, I think her name is Diane Strickland and she felt like the church wasn't giving the victim in that situation, uh, enough of a voice. And, and I'm just commenting on someone who doesn't know the ins and out of of the whole situation. I'm just, this is just an example of something that is going on. But so what she did in feeling that way is she decided to amplify the voice of the victim when the church wouldn't. Wow. So she, I believe, resigned and then created a website dedicated. She kind of gave this woman the code name Hagar and created a website called Hagar's Voice where she posted this woman's statement that the church would not like Acknowledge read, agno- or... Or read out loud okay. anyway. Okay. So she's like, well, here's a place where you can go and read it out loud. Ooh, and wow. so that's essentially like combating the tactic of secrecy with the tactic of bringing something you know pulling something out into the light (laughs) and that is i feel like that you know if if everything in that situation is as it appears right now like that is an act of supreme justice Hmm. really you know it's it is um and so in ways small and large, I think we can look for opportunities to make sure that people are being heard. So not just that we find a place to be heard or that we sit down with someone and say, I believe your story. I believe the hurt that you experienced was valid. Um, 
but then also what are the avenues where this story needs to then go from here mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. do i need to tell you to find a therapist do i need to go before the board and say i'm going to call you out on the secrecy that you're employing do i need to help this person recontextualize their experience like whatever it is yeah. i think it's not just kind of that oh wow that must have been so hard for you you know mm. like that is not um <laughs> necessarily the last step no or not even a good one i mean that's not even empathy right like that must have been hard for you it's it's more like wow, okay, I'm in this with you. Where do we go from here? And and I think that that's the only remedy to secrecy because secrecy is ultimately a tool that alienates. Mm. And so whatever tools we use to find healing need to be the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great, Josh. Mm-hmm. So kind of to summarize this, um, you know, it's it's a small idea that we see play out time and time again where institutions use the tool of secrecy to protect their reputation and to silence those who have been hurt or have who have dissenting views or who have been victimized and we just need i think as people who are trying to reclaim the story of jesus we need to recognize that jesus is about transparency and bringing Mm -hmm. things into the light yes absolutely on a like very personal scale secrecy hinders healing Mm. it is such a block to healing and i i wonder if that's because it impacts truth or impacts your voice i don't know Mm -hmm. i mean i think we're just like totally scratching the surface here and i'm like unearthing stuff in myself as we're like pausing and processing this a little bit but um yeah the bottom line i think on a spiritual personal level is that when something is when a secret is required of you or when an institution upholds a secret and isn't being truth, truth tellers, <laughs> um, your individual healing is hindered. Yeah. And besides that, just sucking <laughs> on one hand, that just is awful. Um, on the other hand, thank God we are serving a God who sees. Like in the Old Testament, like that's one of the names of God. Like I am the God who sees you. And so the spirit is at work and is capable of restoring and healing those parts of you that have been silenced or made to be kept in the dark um, or made to be kept a secret. And is at and is at work and can be at work in restoring you into community, even if it's not into that community that that hurts you. Right, right. Yeah, but that is tough. Yeah, that is tough stuff. It is it, absolutely, and I think yeah, you're right. Scratching the surface, you know, like there is the whole degree of how do you heal when a secret is still being kept, or when you haven't been able to be fully seen or heard or acknowledged there's the question Mm. of transparency because i think it's ridiculous to say that everything needs to be aired before everyone all the time like of course that would cause a lot of damage but i think like we need to be as christians on the lookout Mm. for instances where secrecy is being used from a position of power to protect an institution or a person or people in power over and against the health and well-being of individuals. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I keep just coming back to that idea that, you know, Jesus is the shepherd who leaves the 99 hmm. to go after the one. And I know that that passage is not 
specifically about what we're talking about, but I also don't think it's not about what we're talking about. We have come into a system that minimizes the importance of individuals for the sake of the whole. And yes, community matters. And yes, we're a body and all of that. But if we can't love and protect the most vulnerable in our midst, Mm -hmm. we have lost our way. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you find yourself resonating with this, we are here. (laughs) We are praying for you. We hope that you find healing and we hope that we can all learn to have healthy God-like mm-hmm. transparency. Mm-hmm. And be truth tellers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Might you find healing. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thanks. Bye.